0: Good evening. Welcome to Legacy Battle. You can join us now on YouTube, iHeart, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and of course Facebook. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, hit us up in the comments section. I am Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. Here with me tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zone: Brian King, Penn State Collegiate All Star Kevin Adams, and Ball State athlete Paul Habicott. Our special guest tonight was a center fielder known for his speed and his amazing catches. Just ask Andy Vance to like that. He is ranked 16th all-time in Major League Baseball for stolen bases. Played for nine different Major League Baseball teams, but most notably right behind me, that side, Atlanta Braves, of course. And check this out. His postseason batting average, 321. Came up big when it counted most. And I want to let everybody everybody know, check out his charity website at OtisNixonOneFoundation.org where you can donate to help fight substance abuse and bullying, and also help promote education. So we'll get a question about that a little bit later on, so you guys can get some more info. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Otis Nixon. How you guys doing?
1: How's how's everybody? Good. Over there, over there, and over there, and over there. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming on, man.
0: So tonight's debate is the top five Atlanta Braves of all time. Works out perfectly because we got Otis Nixon here. And we got eight players we're going to discuss, so we're going to jump into this right away. And tonight we're going to start with uh, Chipper Jones.
2: All right. Okay. Represented by by me here, uh, Larry Wayne Chipper Jones Jr. uh, Played for the Braves his whole career. Um, currently, he's actually actually a, a a coach for the for the Braves. Um, and before that, he had signed on and was a broadcast broadcast analyst. Um, but he was the number one overall pick by the Braves in 1990. Played third base from 1995 to 2012, um, with exception of 2002 and 2003. Uh, he played uh, left field for a season. Um, he's an eight-time All Star. Uh, 99 uh, National League Most Valuable Player. Um, 99 and 2000 NL Silver Slugger Award for a third baseman. Uh, he was the MLB batting champion in 2008 after hitting a 364. He ended his career in 2012 with a 303 batting average, uh, 468 home runs, over 1,600 RBIs. He holds the record for third baseman uh, with most career RBIs. He is third on the Braves home run list which is pretty big. Um, he spent his whole career with the Braves, as I had mentioned, and he was a switch hitter. Not many switch hitters could do what he did. Uh, he ranked second to Eddie, uh, Eddie Murray for career RBIs for switch hitters. And he's the only switch hitter in MLB history um, to um, have a career batting average of at least 300 and have over 400 home runs. His slugging percentage was 500. Um, in 2013, the Braves retired his number and he was inducted into the Braves Hall of Fame. He was also inducted into the MLB Hall of Fame uh, in his first year of eligibility. Uh, in um, 2008, uh, off-field stuff, Jones released uh, a charity wine called the Chipper Chardonnay. And the, pro- the portion of the proceeds would go and uh, support the Miracle League, which was an organization serving children with disabilities. You know, Chipper Jones was the face of, of the franchise um, for most of his career, cornerstone, great, great player. Um, he took a pay cut to help keep other players and bring other players onto the team. Um, he was a team player and he helped lead that franchise. Um, he had gotten a, a big injury when he was, I think, 38 and uh, rehabbed uh, after he tore, I believe it was the ACL and uh, actually a really good play that he had made. Rehab and came back in thirty-nine uh, at age 39 and um, he still managed to bat almost 300 and 32 home runs at that point too. So great player face of the franchise for most of his career. He's done a lot for the Braves, and everybody knows Chipper Jones. When he did his farewell tour, farewell tour, he got standing ovations in pretty much every stadium. So everybody knows him, household name.
0: So, Otis, it's pretty rare this day and age for a player to have his entire career with one team, but uh, Chipper did. He, he played for Atlanta the whole time. So what are your thoughts on Chipper, and, and is he maybe – top three third basemans of all
1: time, in your opinion? Uh, yeah, I think we got a. Uh, – I'm a big candidate, guys. And when I played for 18 years or 19 years, so like most of these guys. And the difference in the way you spit this out and me playing with a couple of these guys or playing against them makes just a little bit of difference. So I'm going to tell you what my true opinion is. Uh, that was one of the most spirit hitters in the clutch, of all time, right there, you're talking about Chipper Jones. I played with him. Uh, my last year was 99. Uh, I rode him like a, 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 a horse But every time because we had come up, we had to count on Chipper to get us to the World Series. And my last year was the World Series against the Yankees. And uh, I've never seen anybody um, let me put it this way. Hey, each guy I'm gonna say something differently. And then after a while, I'll tell you who I think is the greatest of one of all time is. Yes. But when I say hot, you know when a player gets hot and you can't get them out, whether it's me or John Dick or, Eric, or Jeter, you name them, Fred McGriff, name them. When they get hot, you in a zone. And there's no pitcher can really get you out, but you can do damage. Triple was able to deliver at situations and come up at collect situations. And um, I told Chipper one time, I said, man, that might be the hottest player I've ever seen. Chipper said he might be hot, but he's never been Chipper hot. Chipper hot. There's a hot when we play, and there's a Chipper hot. When <laughs> Chipper Jones get, when chipper got hot, you could get on the bus, the plane, put on your suit because that was the guy that was going to deliver over and over and over and over again. He played with Galarraga. They were a, a back-to-back. He told G- Galarraga one night, he said, "That." He said, Cat, you think he's going to last through the sixth inning? Big Cat said, no. Big Cat going to get rid of him by the sixth inning. He'll be gone, baby. And that means they going to pound him back to back between those two guys. They said, nobody. we don't need anybody on the team. That's pretty strong. So, brother, when you put these numbers out here and you're talking about a sweet cheddar, that can do it from either side. I look at Eddie Marriott and I've seen Eddie play against him, and uh, he'll get you from either side, but so could Chipper Jones.
0: Paul, you, you've played a lot of ball in, in your lifetime as well and, and definitely different positions. Chipper in a, later years, they kind of had him move from third base. Is it is it hard to, to switch positions like that, especially after you've been doing one for so long?
3: Yeah, I would think so, especially at the major league level. And I mean, you're spending your whole career at one position and each position does have a different like innuendos and in the way the ball comes off the bat and stuff like that. And plus, obviously, you're a little older. So that's a huge thing.
0: Right, totally agree. But we're going to move to our next player, and it's another third baseman from the Braves. And we're going back a bit on this one. It's Eddie Matthews. So I'm representing Eddie tonight. 14 years with the Braves. He also managed uh, them for two years, coached them for one year, and then managed them for two years. So a very long time in the organization. Of course, he's in the Hall of Fame and the Braves Hall of Fame. He's won a World Series with them. Maybe the greatest third baseman ever. It's It's debatable, Um, you know, Schmidt's in there, and of course, Chipper's in there. Um, Played almost 2,000 games for the Braves, and he is the only player to be part of all three cities that the Braves played in, which is Boston, Milwaukee, and Atlanta. And as a member of the Braves, he's a 12-time All-Star, two-time National League home run leader. You know, he's also known for his swing. You know, before Ken Griffey Jr. was around, there, there, there was Eddie Matthews. He's just a graceful swing, used his wrist, flowed through perfectly. Warren Spahn, is, his who we're going to talk about later, was one of his teammates, called, called him as good as Mantle. He said he was as good as Mickey Mantle. He just had a more pure swing. Um, so that's, that's a big name talking about him, you know. And he could also see pitches extremely well. Led the league in walks four times, and he's 24th on the all-time list for walks, so, you know, and he's top 30, MVP voting 10 times, and that includes his rookie year. So very solid. Great center fielder, or, or great fielder, uh, you know, as well, and not just the hitting. Um, I would say he was, in my opinion, a better fielder than Chipper. Um, you know, he had the least amount of errors at third three times, 10th in career putouts, 8th in assists, and 10th in turn double plays. You know, so to to – To be one of the greatest, you got to be all around, not just hitting. Got to be good in the field, too, in my opinion. And uh, Eddie Matthews checks all the boxes. So, Otis, uh, we got two third basements here, you know. What's your opinion on Eddie? And and does one maybe stick out more than the other?
1: Glove-wise, he carries a a better glove, no question about it. Uh, I mean, he came up young, just like Chipper did, 20 years old, just always a solid player, man. I mean, when you go through that age, that then, I say when you got 20 years old with those older guys back then, it was like playing with men and boys and being in that same room. And he was able to accomplish that and being able to, uh, he was just, he had a sweet glove over there. People just, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, Chipper uh, was a fluid But he had a good glove, and he was steady. That's why he didn't win as many coats and gloves. But still, that bat carried so much weight, we never even worried about him catching the thing uh, or or doing what he had to do, but he was pretty solid. But uh, Matthews had that glove, he had the bat. He was solid year after 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 year. So what do you get by being that consistent in baseball, which is what they pay you for now? is uh, the Hall of Fame, Uh, and now he speaks and you speak and I speak. Is he the greatest third baseman of all time? You asked me that question, I didn't answer. Because I sat there with the guy I played with, and we brought up Chipper Jones. He came up, when I came up with the Braves, he was a rookie. He used to go get some plow seeds for me. You know, I hit I was hitting 380 that year and I used to make him go down to get some overseas bring him back up five, until he got into the into the game and we've talked about it now uh, because I know him and got to see him I rest and say I go back and and, and, and be biased because I play with Chipper I watched him and watched him deliver out here with my own two eyes, and I got the e- visual see to edit through videos, what everybody's been seeing, and his name always stand up in, as the top third baseman. If I had to pick my line up and say, go with a third baseman today, right now, uh, and uh, let me make sure Chip was not in this room. I would, brother, and I know I would have a lot of uh, people coming up and beating my door down out here. I would go with, with Eddie Matthews because of his glove, and and if he was playing with these guys, Smokey, Glavin, uh, 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 our top pitchers, they love these third basemen with the gloves and the bat and everything. That's what would just revel off of it.
0: Brian, I'm interested to hear your opinion because some of your players are going to be in the same predicament as as mine with Eddie Matthews here. Eddie I only actually played one season in Atlanta. All those other seasons were with the other cities. So. Mm-hmm does that maybe take away some of their consideration
4: for the for this well, i mean there's seems like you know you're always going to have like that recency bias you know you're going to be more inclined to go with the guy that you've seen more of and that you're more familiar with um you know and, and that's that's a problem sometimes for these guys that analyze you know all-time greats um so that that part of it yeah that part of it might help you know, might come against uh, Matthews, but you, know, you have to, you have to just kind of, you know, put that aside and and like Otis did, you know, look at you know the the different parts of the game and, and compare them on the same level. Okay, let's move on to John Smoltz. All right, John Smoltz. So, Was he on uh, the list? Oh yeah, he's on the list. Yeah. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> so, uh, of course. <laughs> so so he joined the majors in 1988 and he pitched for the Braves for the next 20 years. Uh, he was quite a dynamic pitcher. He had a fastball that was uh, clocked at 98 miles per hour, A uh, very good slider. He had about a 90 mile an hour split finger. Uh, he also had a nice change up and a decent curve. Uh, as a starter, he was elite. He had two times he was the, the wins leader, two times the K leader, um, 1996 Cy Young Award winner, and he retired with the fifth most Ks all time. He was a lead as a reliever. Um, in 2002, he was the saves leader, and he was also the uh, relief man of the year. He's the only pitcher in Major League Baseball history with 200 wins and 150 saves in their career, and he set the NL record with 55 saves in the season. He was great in big games. Um he had a complete game shutout in game seven of the uh, 1991 uh, NLCS against the Pirates. In 1992, he was the NLCS MVP. He was 15 and four with a 2.68 ERA in 41 career postseason games. And those 15 wins were a record uh, until it was finally beaten by Andy Pettit. And this guy had a lot of resilience. In 1991, he got off to a horrible start. He was 2 and 11. And just kind of searching for answers, and uh, like like one of our uh, previous guests, uh, Dan Jansen, he went and he saw a sports psychologist, and he you know he he was able to sort of work out the problems, you know, figure out that he wasn't really visualizing things correctly, um, and, and so he he bounced back uh, the second half of that year and had a twelve and two record. Uh, so John Smoltz, he could do it as a starter, he could do it as a reliever. Uh, one of the very best in Braves history.
0: Great golfer, too. I, I think he almost – didn't he almost qualify for the, like, the senior PGA or something like that? He did. That's what I thought, yeah. So, Otis, you know, obviously Smoltz is part of the big three. You you were there playing with him for so many years. Give us your thoughts on, on John Smoltz.
1: Wow, big guy. Man, I just played golf freedom not too long ago with Tim Tebow. At 10-2-Bow's to tour Tournament, uh, he's good at a couple of things, basketball, baseball, football. And if you listen to John, he'll tell you how good he is. And uh, he it actually, uh, excuse me, one minute. My, <laughs> hold on one minute, guys. Stay with me. I, uh, what took place is um, I got to see all that. I watched. I was there in 91. I came over in 91 and watched that guy that I faced go to. So being on the mound and wasn't the same guy we could see it and we was like man what happened i was here 91 the Terry person said bring john smokes we was coming over was in last place last place 1991 we went from 90 worst first that year guys uh because of john smokes when john turned around w- the team turned around and people don't know that he was supposed to be doing all this and everything it just didn't happen and uh uh, I tell you what, we, if I had to give a guy uh, baseball and go out and it's the, uh seventh game of the World Series, that's what I give it to. Him. He's going to give you what you want. You you're going to get a showdown. We've seen it over here time and time. We've seen it starting. We've seen it out of bullpen, and you can't make you uh, pitchers can't do this, man. You talking about a guy turning around mentally and putting his talent together and going out there and giving it to you. Uh, from a bullpen to a starter, uh, you don't want to be on the other side trying to face him on the other side. And he would wear you down. He was a warhouse, strong, powerful, very confident. And uh, he stands at the top of my list. Each time we meet, we laugh. We did a lot of things off the field as well. We played a lot of golf, guys, believe it or not, just to get away from the game. But I think what happened, and I know a psychiatry very well. Uh, seemed like y'all had one, which I was used to know about that year. And uh, but it worked out for us, and we was able to turn the game around because when John turned around and John got hot and clicked, it started to turn the team and then we caught fire. And that's actually the part of the stadium literally caught fire. But uh that's what took place. But um, if I even now had to put him up there, I got my list over here. One number one number two, number three how it's going to work out, which so I'm not going to say right now, but he's up there in the top three.
0: Kevin, what kind of mindset does it take to go from a dominant starter to dominant closer and then back to dominant starter? I mean, really, the only other time we've seen that maybe is Dennis Eckersley. He was a starter. He went to closer, but he didn't go back to starters. So what are your thoughts on, on, on that?
2: That just, I think, shows... Uh... Uh, the diversity that he has in that position to be able to go out there and uh, dominate a- as a starter and uh, finish games to get saves. Um, you know, I think it's um, I think it's a little bit easier maybe to. I mean, there's a little more pressure when you're trying to save a game, but I think it's a little bit easier to throw hard because when you're when you're closing a game, you're only pitching for an inning, um, so you're able to bring the heat. Um, and he definitely had a, a decent <coughs> kind fastball. Of He's a great pitcher. Um, but to, to show dominance um, going from starter to closer and, and back um, just shows that he, at different stages of his career, he could handle whatever was thrown at him uh, versus player,
1: Kevin, oh, slide yeah. your head over. Let me see that pinning behind your head up there for a minute. Wow.
2: I need to update it, though. It's, wow.
1: Okay. I, I just thought I, I, I'm just checking out. I, I beat that for a minute. I'm a Wayne Grisky. I was up in my trough for a while. I just kept licking up there. Yeah, you need to update that, okay?
2: I will.
0: <laughs> so let's move on to Warren Spawn.
3: Okay, Spawny's my guy. He's known as Spawny or the Invincible One. Uh, we got another old schooler here, so that's we might have some problems here because I think Otis might have been three or four years old when uh, Spawny's finishing his season with, with the Braves. <laughs> but... Don't hold that against me because listen to this guy. So, 22 uh, season major league career, finished with a record of 363 and 245, uh, 2,583 strikeouts, and a 3.09 ERA. And that's accumulated from about 5,243 and two thirds innings pitched. So, he's got uh, some good marks here. He's got 63 shutouts, 382 complete games. Uh, Otis is like a pro at reading pitchers' tells. So I wondered if at the end of this, Otis could tell us if he ever saw maybe a tell that Warren had. But Warren was a – he was a stud, man, and a performer. He's a left-handed pitcher, pretty dominant, as you can tell by the stats, born in Buffalo, New York. He started in his first game for 1942. I think today. Today's date – or no, that's Monday's date is the 19th. So he was at the age of 20 years old. And uh, most notably, as we talked about earlier with one of Brian's players, he spent all but two seasons with the Braves, but they were known as the Boston Milwaukee Braves. And that's from 1942 to 1963. In the 52 and 53 season, that's when they went from Boston to uh, Milwaukee. A couple other notables with Spawn was he won the World Series in 57, also a Cy Young winner in 57. He's pitcher of the year in 53, 57, 58. Of course, Otis Nixon's born in 59, so Otis Nixon would have been two when he wins his fourth pitcher of the year in 61. But he's got 20 or more win seasons in 13 seasons, and he did it six times consecutively. Pretty dominant. Kind of reminds me of my other player I'll talk about later on. He, at the time I looked this up, was six all-time in wins at 363, 21st, on the all-time complete games at 382, 29th on the list for strikeouts at over 2,500, and seventh for shutouts at 63. (laughs) He's got two no-hitters. And I guess speaking of hitting, kind of like my other guy, he was actually, and it might have been the time they played and he was a pretty decent hitter. In 58, he actually batted 333 with two home runs and 15 RBIs. So I know that he's not you know, I didn't get to see him play myself, but uh, I would like to say he was probably a trailblazer and maybe set the some of the foundational years for the Braves. You know, and the when they went to Atlanta, but Warren Spahn's a Hall of Fame pitcher. He's got a great career.
0: Otis, obviously, he, you know this guy was before your time. But what are your thoughts on Warren?
1: Um, I'm not going to keep. I'm not going to keep the audience. Are you guys waiting long, longer? That's my number one guy. That's the guy you bring his name up <laughs> I in. I knew we room, saw it. I
3: noticed, it.
1: I knew it. <laughs> hey, uh, you, uh, Paul, you got me. I, I just knew you, That I just felt like that was your guy. But I tell you what, brother, uh, if you can do, I mean, I'm looking down here. I'm just looking at 35 home runs, Army vet, no hitters, manager. Uh, man, he was still pitching at age 42. Yeah. And I don't know if this is true or not, but I think at age 42, he might have been 23-7. and seven. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but he had, what, 20? How many times he win 20 games? Uh, 13,
3: 13. 13 seasons. Six of them in a row.
1: Moves, that's lights out. That's Greg Maddox, uh, mm-hmm. Tom Glavin, John Smokes put together. And you didn't even hear about guys running on him because they said he had one incredible move. And it wasn't a slide step, so he shut the game down. So that means you didn't get on because you didn't get no hits, so you didn't get if nobody's on. You don't steal. Uh, he, that's when that's lights out. I can imagine facing this guy during the season or during the World Series, and then just Cy young, just throw that in, and then you're talking about his ERA, and then just in case he come up, and he, you know, he's getting ready to hit. You got a picture to the guy. I mm-hmm. can I don't even think they—they they broke the mold. They don't make this kind of picture. Let me tell you what. I'm looking at everybody's picture. You guys are all now owners, not managers. I'm—I'm a—I'm a agent. This is my guy, and I'm walking in your office. You got to sign it all four of you guys don't have enough money to sign this guy. You think Mike try <laughs> you, got, you see where I'm going? The money today can't afford another guy. That's why I said the mold was broke because the man above knew baseball couldn't afford another one of these. So they actually took this thing and just said, it's not going to be another one because we can't afford them. So y'all got to see and hear one of the greatest times that all four owners couldn't put together enough money to be able to hold this, this, because guess what? He'd be like Michael Jordan, who I grew up with. He would sell out every stadium, everywhere he went at this time. He would be like uh, Shaq, good friend of mine, on every commercial. We wouldn't be able to get in a commercial because he would have them all. See where I'm going with this? This is what baseball got to appreciate and never forget. I know we got Jackie Robinson and Hank Aarons, but this is the greatest Player pitcher of all time, right here that I just tore up, and, uh, and I didn't mean to do that. But, Pop, you got <laughs> something. Look like you give me to say something. I mean, I, I'm sorry to take over right here, man. But I oh, got excited. Fine. But I was oh, trying to figure out how to on the guy.
3: Otis, I, to your point, I wanted to look it up real quick. But at 42, he was 23 and seven. He did pitch a couple more years after that and had some losing seasons. But I'm 43. I can't imagine being 42 and getting over 20 wins in the MLB. And I'll have you know I'm worth at least hundreds of dollars.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Let me say one thing real quick uh, about this guy. Uh, there was a saying in, from the fans back in Milwaukee back in that day. It was spawn insane and pray for rain. Because they their pitching staff was completely stacked with you know with spawn insane. And after that, it was like, man, it, none of those guys could do anything. So, like, he he basically anchored that entire pitching staff. I
0: also have Warren Spahn as the greatest pitcher of all time. I know a lot of people say Cy Young, but you got to look at the times that they pitch. Cy Young was pitching in the 1890s and the 1900 to 10. You could still throw spitballs, the shine ball, do whatever you want to the ball. And you were pitching every like three days probably. So Spahn is the greatest of all time, in my opinion. But wait, let's, let's move on. We could talk about him all day. We're going to go to hammering Hank Aaron.
2: Do do I even need to talk about Hank Aaron? I mean, come on. Seriously. (laughs) Y'all don't vote this guy and You're you're all insane. So Henry Henry Hank Aaron, uh, nicknamed the Hammer or Hammer and Hank, uh, right fielder, played 23 seasons uh, from 54 to 76. Uh, He spent 21 seasons with the Milwaukee slash Atlanta Braves, uh, two seasons with the Milwaukee Brewers, one of the greatest baseball players of all time. I mean, everyone knows the name. He broke the home run record that was held by Babe Ruth. Uh, He held that record until, uh, unfortunately, Barry Bonds broke it. Um, He still holds other batting records. Uh, He has hit 24 more home runs every year, 24 or more home runs every year from 55 to 73. He is one of only two players to hit 30 or more uh, home runs in a season at least 15 times. Uh, In 99, Sporting News had ranked him uh, the fifth on their 100 greatest baseball players. Um, In 1982, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame on his first year of eligibility. Um, And if I'm not mistaken, he had received the second highest uh, percentage of votes um, in the history of of MLB um, to get into the Hall of Fame. Um, He played, uh, you know, mainly right field, uh, though he had also played other positions. He did infield and outfield, uh, you know, all the positions in the outfield. Uh, He was mainly a DH, though, in his final two seasons. Um, He holds the record for the most all-star selection at 25. He played in 24 of those 25, uh, which is tied with Willie Mays and Stan Musial. He was a three-time gold glove winner. um, And in 57, he won the NL uh, MVP award and he won the world series. Uh, He holds the MLB records for most career uh, runs batted in uh, over 2,200, almost 23 uh, extra base hits, almost 1,500 and total bases uh, over 6,800. He's, Top five career in hits, man has 3,771 hits and uh, over 2,100 runs. Um, He's one of only four players of at least 17 seasons with 150 or more hits. Um, Second place in home runs at 755, you know, because Bonds broke it. Um, Third place games played, he played almost 3,300 games. Um, At his retirement, he held the most uh, games' key, key career power hitting records, he worked in the front office for the Braves at one point as the senior vice president. Um, in '88, he was inducted into the Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame as well. Uh, he has an award named after him uh, to recognize the top offensive player um, in each league. He got the president Presidential Medal of Honor, or I'm sorry, Medal of Freedom in 2002. Uh, both the Braves and the Brewers retired his number, um, and he had to overcome a lot. Uh, of adversity in his time. A lot of people did not want him to break baby's record. I mean, he received death threats, you know, a lot of um, comments thrown his way. Um, People, they weren't happy about it, and he overcame it, and um, best brave, hands down. Uh, Maybe your spawn guy there, Paul, might have to agree with you for once in in this show's history uh, that he might be the top, but Hank Aaron's definitely very close behind Uh, In number two, in my opinion.
0: Otis, in in your opinion, is Hank Aaron still the home run leader?
1: Absolutely, and I always will be. I know Barry Bonds. I played with Barry Bonds' dad. Uh, I know Hank very well. That was like a grandfather. We stood on his shoulders to get where we are today. Uh, That record would never – it would be an asterisk by there if I had to put it there because we know as players – uh, um, the difference, and, you know, Hank never cheated. The only thing he did wrong was uh, uh, he hit cross handed. And when he first came up, he was hitting with his hands like this, and they corrected that, and then he took off and started getting home runs. But undoubtedly, yes, on the home run thing. That is the king. Always will be the king. Uh, he went on his first round. Uh, will Barry go in, uh, the Hall of Fame, he's not in there yet. If I hit that home run, hit that many home runs, I would be going in on the first go round. And when I and I know I'm going to stir something up right here, but when you do things in this game like these guys we just talked about, and they're in the in-house playing, it's for a reason. When they go in on the first vote and that high magnitude of percentage, the first shot they go in, that means they they was on the field and off the field doing what they have to do. Things happen. I never had a record record play in playing my whole career. I did make the Hall of Fame ballot, but I never made it that far on it. But you have to be understand something as a professional baseball player that these guys went in on the field and off the field. Barry, Pete Rose, Roger Clemens, played with Roger. Play again, I know Pete very well. So yeah, they're going to have trouble getting in for a reason in the season. Not that they don't have that much talent. It's that, you, when I say off the field and on the field, we have to throw it up in this coin toss. But um, my thing is that I think that's the king of all time because mentally, he didn't have a psychiatrist. He didn't have um, all the protection that he needed. He didn't have all the amenity that he had to go through. I mean, all that he had to go through, um, uh, it's amazing. You know, you guys have to understand as a, a black man back then, we got a lot of controversy going on. I work with law enforcement now, um, probation, I work with underprivileged kids, black, white, different communities in here, on racial stuff. But back then, it was 15 to 20 times worse then than it was now. And that's what we was going through. So thank God there was Hank Aaron hitting home runs because he brought light and happiness. Everywhere Hank went, he carried his back, but he carried a smile. And he did it humbly. He did it.
0: Whoever the idiots are that don't vote for players like Hank Aaron and Derek Jeter to get into the Hall of Fame, you should not have voting rights. That's ridiculous. But uh, let's move on to Dale Murphy. So Dale, you know, he played 14 years, 76 to 90 for the Atlanta Braves. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that statistics wise, he's Going to stand up to a guy like Hank Aaron or, or Chipper Jones. Um, he's he was a seven-time All-Star, two MVPs, which is which is really good. And he was very good in the field, five Gold Gloves. You know, so he does have some nice stats. He's not in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. I, I do believe that the Modern Era Committee will put him in at some point. I think he is very deserving of it. Um, he was the best player in baseball for at least two years, maybe a couple more, but the MVPs show that. But So what makes Dale Murphy so special to the Atlanta Braves is he is just kind of synonymous with the Atlanta Braves and all the good things that he did. So he won the Roberto Clemente award, which is given to people for commitment to your team, community involvement, sportsmanship. He won the Lou Gehrig award, which exhibits character and integrity of Lou Gehrig. I mean, that's, class act right there he was the sports illustrated sportsman of the year you know for most embodying sportsmanship and achievements and his awards like that go on and on He had the the bart giamani uh community service award and the world sports humanitarian he's in the hall of fame for the world sports humanitarian that is just just an honor so this guy meant so much to the community in Atlanta, and he was not on a lot of very good Braves teams, which kind of kept him a little more low profile around the rest of the country. But he left in 1990, right before, (laughs) right before they got really good. Um, But if you're going to talk about heart, he may have more heart than anybody we're talking about today. Um, And, and just worked extremely hard at what he did. So Otis, this is the guy I wanted to ask you about the most because I, I saw a, an interview with Dale Murphy and uh, he claims Glavin threw at him all because of you. <laughs> I guess you got hit in a game and kind of like um, started like a, like a fight. And then he, the, when the inning was over, Dale Murphy was the next guy up. He was playing for the Phillies at the time and Glavin throws at him four times in a row. And uh, he blames that on you. <laughs> What can you tell me about that?
1: He told him I didn't. He didn't make the Hall of Fame because of me. <laughs> <laughs> that, now, let a joke about that. Let me tell you about that, and I'll talk about Dell. Uh, I played the game really hard, and and brought that energetic over to a team that, it, it, I, it was talking about striking a match and keeping it going, striking a fire. That was me. I was a Ricky Henderson without pop. Um, that particular game, the only reason that that was going on was because they was hitting me because I had stole like four bases the game uh, back-to-back off him, four one night, four another night, and they hit me in in Atlanta. Uh, we had a big fight in Atlanta, and that was a Dale Murphy – uh, welcome back home night when he was with the Braves. So we fought the night that we was he. He came back home. We had that big fight, and he was on the other side. That was me charging the mound. Uh, I, I, the way I played, I just sort of. Uh, and when he brought that up, I, I charged the mound a lot, but it was because I had that spark to make the team keep going. And I said, I'm a, I'm part Indian, I'm a renegade Indian, so. I played with India, so I always had that thing: you hit me, I'm gonna go to the mound, and that's what happened that night. And so, when we left that fight in in Atlanta, we went to Philly. I had fifty-seven thousand people to boo me at one time. You guys don't know what it feel like to hear that many boos at the <laughs> starting of the the game. And uh, so, guess what? The first pitch. Uh, I was wondering why Roger McDowell was in the game. He said, why did he play? I know you far his life. I said, why is Roger and He said he should be coming at the end of the game. He throws the first pitch behind my, my neck, and I go back, and his sinker sinks and hit me in the back of the neck. I still feel it now. I told Roger that that hurts so bad I couldn't breathe, and I wanted to get up and charge my mom, and I couldn't breathe. It really got me. It caught me off guard. And and then the game went on and went down. I got suspended four games already for fighting in Atlanta. Now we're in first place. And if I go out there and fight again, I'm going to be suspended for more games. Uh, So I went down. I remember looking at the dugout. And all their players was ready to charge out to me. They had every player ready to come get me. They had it planned. And uh, the next battle that's coming up that inning, was Dale Murphy. So Bobby said, B- Bobby went not thinking, the next player is going down. Remember, I'm screaming, he to go down. And <laughs> they said, now, nah, buddy, Dale, and we all looked up. We just caught us off a surprise. Now, these are two good friends, best friends in the world. So Gladwin's got to drill his best friend. Roger Clemens would do it. He hit Mobile and didn't even think about it. Glavin threw three change ups. He throws change ups, right? Okay. He throws change ups. He threw three change ups with Arch on it at Murphy duck one. He ducked the next one. And he never hit him. But three, he missed him in Walter. Boy Bobby came out, Taylor Pimpson walked off the field to make him come back out. Bobby took him out and brought Marvin Freeman in. To hit the next batter coming in. Of course, that's what he did. He drilled the next batter. But I don't think Murphy ever got hit. Oh, yes, he did. He hit him with a changeup. He did. In the shoulder. hit him with a changeup in the shoulder. And that's why I said um, uh, it it was just a crazy time how Dale got in the minute. He had nothing to do with all this chaos. And I will go back in. And while I'm talking, I think if I could ever meet a better baseball player, a nicer player, a more professional player on and off the field that didn't make the Hall of Fame. That's my guy. We love him as players, family man. You can't do anything wrong here in Atlanta. We love him. And if they made that mold and my son had to be like a baseball player, I would want him to be like Dale, whether he made the Hall of Fame or not. And that's my thumbs up. I would take him and put him over here and say he was not too nice of a guy but not the best player that goes on to this.
0: Well, we're going to go back to the mound because Atlanta's, of course, known for their pitchers. Let's go with the knuckleballer.
4: All right, Phil Necro. So Phil Necro, he joined the Milwaukee Braves back in 1964, and he spent the next 20 seasons with them. He was a five-time All-Star, a five-time Gold Glover, a two-time leader in wins, um, and he was a 1967 ERA leader, 1977 NLK leader. Uh, he had arguably the best knuckleball in in major league baseball history. Uh, one time Pete Rose was asked about it, and he said, "I worked for three three weeks to try and get my swing down pat, and then I go against Phil and he messes it up in one night." So he was Phil was the only knuckleballer to win over 300 games. And his durability really helped him a lot because he won 121 games after the age of 40. And we talked about Spawn doing well at age 42, but actually Necro went all the way to age 48, and he is the oldest player in Major League Baseball uh, history to play, um, uh, to to pitch. He went all the way to age 48. Um, And... MLB.com, they ranked Negro as the number one knuckleballer of all time. So you look at his stats, um, nobody has more innings pitched in a career than Phil Negro. He's number one um, with uh, 5,404.1. Uh, wins, he's 16th with 318. Games started, 716. That's fifth all time shutouts. He's got 45. That's 29th all-time. And he's just outside the top 10 at number 11 with uh, uh, 3,342 Ks. So, Phil Necro, he had a great pitch. Uh, um, He lasted a long, long time. And he was just uh, a really... At times, he was just
1: unhittable.
0: Otis, tell us how hard it is to hit that knuckleball.
1: Um, uh, I I faced... um, I'm trying to think of his name in Boston. Um, Wakefield. 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 He threw his harder. Fields moved down more. Uh, Wakefields went a little bit uh, uh, everywhere. And uh, it, for me, as a slap hitter, I had better chance of hitting them than a a guy with a a big swing. <clears throat> Excuse <laughs> me. So that being said, I got to play against him when I was a rookie in the Yankee organization, and I played against them. the that first day, they didn't get in the hits. They put me in again and I, the, as a pinch runner. And Phil had a way of coming down, and then he had come up, and then throw the first base. Today, that's a ball because you're coming up. That means you're going home. You can't come up and then go this way. He came up. I took off. He picked me off. And Steinbrenner chewed me out, sent me back down to AAA the next day. And that was the first time, the last time I faced Phil. But we played together in Cleveland late in his career. He came over with Pat Corrales and we played together. Uh, he's one of a kind. He was our judge. Kangaroo court. We got a kangaroo court baseball. So he was our kangaroo court. And we said, man, this ain't right, man. you talking about... You know, the, the Spanish guys ain't getting treated right. And you treat the black guys you treat the white guys different. We get penalized for coming in with a fat girl. He came in. He ain't got any hits, so he's getting penalized. It's that time. We get penalized for different things that came in court. Well, you got nurses sitting up there. See? So he comes in with a robe on and, and he puts his head up. Half his face is black and half of is it's white, so he would do this when he was talking to the bike. In his face. And he just had a character, an always a joking thing about him, and he always wanted to steal a base. I was there when he stole his base <laughs> that night. How it happened? It was uh, doing the uh, they was doing the uh, they was re- raking the field, doing the game, and we was looking around for Phil. He was out on the grounds crew and changed clothes and was out raking the field with the ground crew. And nobody could do this but Phil. So he found out Pat Grouse said, get off the field. So he runs off the field. We come back in later during the game, uh, that same game. And we look on, at the, you know, the pitch is warming up. Phil's on first base. He takes off and slides into second base. And still, second baseman runs back up. Nobody in the game could do this but Phil Negro. So when I remember Noxie, I call Noxie and doing this. uh, You talk about a tough guy that would mess your swing up the whole team. That's what happened because the next day you saw everybody wasn't swinging that well. It was a whole thing that knuckleball would basically do to you, and that particular season with the cleveland indians i remember that i wasn't starting so i was like oh this girl will catch the field warm him up he throws me a fastball catches he throws me a knuckleball which is bouncing and the ball went straight over the top of my head almost hit me in the forehead and he he made me go off the field he went to another one to me but i think he ranks up there because of the numbers that you put out there line after line after line after line after line. That long and that many wins and that many uh, uh, without a lot of injuries, that's what got him into the Hall of Fame. And he's one of the greatest time and one of the toughest guys you ever want to face right there.
0: Well, let's go to our final player, Greg Maddox. <laughs> All right, I got Greg
3: Maddox. I think he's the modern day Warren Spahn. We'll see if Otis agrees. I, I think I've been a fan of Greg Maddox so many years, and he's always been on teams that were, you know, against mine, but I still love him. I bet you Otis is friends with him, too. We'll see what he says. I I think this guy's a character, but uh, Greg's a 2014 Hall of Fame inductee, finished with 3,371 strikeouts. He's a 15-game winner for 17 straight seasons. He had a final record of 355 and 227. ERA pretty close to Warren's. He finished at 3.16 ERA. Uh, He's a Brave in the 93 to 2003 seasons. It's the longest he was with the team, narrowly beating out the Cubs. I think he had a a tenure there that was split into two at about nine years. Uh, And so I think he's a good candidate for best Brave because out of his 18 awards, 10 was with the Braves, five was with the Cubs. I like Going over Greg's stats because he's got a lot of dashes in there. Like, he did multiple seasons. A lot of people have one or two seasons, but he's got a lot of categories where he was just multiple years. He's an eight-time All-Star, 1988, 1992. And then, like I was talking about, 94 through 98 season, All-Star in 2000. The World Series champ with the Braves in 95. Four-time NL Cy Young Award, that's 92 through 95. 18-time Gold Glove Award, 90 to '90 to 2002, then 2004 to 2008. Three-time Major League Wins Leader, 92, 94, 95. Four-time ERA Leader, 93 through 95. And this guy's just dominant in the middle of the 90s. And in 1998, uh, of course, his numbers retired. Number 31 with the Cubs and the Braves. Since the question, I'm going to respect the question, since it's, uh, you know, about the Braves, here's some points about Maddox I thought were kind of highlights with the Braves. He, he goes to the Braves in 93. And I'm just trying to put myself in this position. On opening day, he's facing the Cubs. So he goes on to beat his former team on opening day, but in that season, he finishes 20-10 uh, with a 2.36 ERA, Tops it off with one, one of his Cy Young awards. And then he carries that through basically the middle of the 90s. He he kind of gets robbed in 94 at the shortened season. But during that season, who knows what he could have turned into because he was at 1.56 ERA. And he, I I saw a remark from him from him, and it, it kind of fits him. He was proud that season that his batting average was higher than his ERA. I think he was at 222 when the, when the uh, shortened season ended. So like my guy Warren Spawn, Maddox could kind of hit too. You had to be cognizant of the pitcher when he was up. It wasn't just an easy out. In 1995, he ended up proving that 94 wasn't a fluke, and he had an ERA of 1.63, and he went 19-2. and I And mean, it's unreal. And in 97, he seals up his greatness with the Braves by signing – what I think is a significant deal back then. It's five-year extension at $57.5 million. So he better bought you dinner, Otis. But at that point in time, he was the highest paid uh, player in baseball. Uh, a couple other things. In 97, complete game shot out against the Cubs, throwing 78 pitches, 63 strikes and 15 balls. And in 1998, threw 200 strikeouts for the first time and the only time in his career. So... In my opinion, Maddox is like the modern spawn, and he was just a dominant pitcher in the 90s. I can't wait to hear what Otis says about him.
0: So, Otis, you know, Otis. on a staff full
1: of, full of aces, was he the ace of the aces? Um, Yes, he was. I, I have to say that, even though you say smoked, I'm glad, but that's the guy you get about to to, 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 take, to take off. And let me tell you guys how – we felt we knew we had a good team. If you was on the other side and we came to play you guys in Tampa Bay, and, which we, we I think we did later on, and you had to face Maddox, Glavin, Smokes, um, Avery, Avery, and you're a batter, you could go over fifty and not get a hit. I mean, if everybody was on, I've seen this happen a whole stretch. I watched it. I was on the team. I was in center field. And you had to face these guys. They was out trying to do a one-up to see who was going to give up and see who was going to buy dinner who gave up more runs. I saved more runs in center field for these guys. They loved me. Yeah, I got a lot of presents, a lot of gifts after the season and still get calls from them. only one I didn't get called for when we went to the Hall of Fame was John Smokes. I called him. I said, Smokesy. Every one of them guys called me when they went to the Hall of Fame to thank me. All these divers and the catchers. and oh you should have been there. We got you, man. You always you never need and you didn't call me. He said, Man, I was gonna say, man, I would have dropped every ball out there in the game situation. I said, I would have dropped those balls. You'd have never made you never made tough. Oh, so we got little things we talk about. But when you go back to a Greg Matters, guys, you have to be a center fielder and watch this uh, this artistic picture drawing in the outfield that i could see it made it easy for me to know where to go because he didn't miss by that much he could make a ball run this way this way down up he had a master on it and i could see the center field it was like drawing like Michelangelo, to a batter up there and i ran him right up there it was fun uh uh that's sort of I agree with you, what you were saying. So we can sit here and go over all these stats all day. And that's a lot of stats, but That's a lot of win Red right in Braves' country. And that's what we got to go with and everything. So this guy's going to rank up there as one of the greatest Cubs. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, greatest Cubs that ever was lost and that we gained and one of the best pitchers you ever want to see, shortest games. He didn't waste time walking anybody, or doing any of that. He was like, bam, bam, thank you, man. No, he could not hit with spawn. I watched them. They all had their hit points. If you ask John Smokes, John Smokes will tell you he out hit any pitcher in the game right now, hands down, and probably could. John is a good hitter. So the it. <laughs> goes up to where all these records and, and, and Greg Maddox is at the top of my list and had one of the greatest govs you ever want to see on a picture?
3: You looked like he never got rattled either, Otis. Like he looked like he was never bothered by anything. He was a cool customer, right?
1: Well, the, if you I, I knew Leo. Me and Leo are good friends. And Leo went out there one night. So I'm coming in. First thing I did, I came to sit and sit down, beside Leo, and he's rocking. Mm-hmm. I said, Leo, answer me a question. He said, What is your question, Otis? I said, What you just go tell Greg Maddox? Out of, out of the field he said you really want to know he said what can you tell a great maddox out there that's out there right now i just went out there give him a briefing and asked him where he was going to be taking me to devil tonight that's true you can't tell him what to say you got to go out there and make him laugh about something but you can't tell him what to adjust because he was always that much off and that much in and it wasn't no times i ever saw the guy that was off
0: and we're going to give a quick shout-out to the three guys who just missed our list tonight. That was Andrew Jones, uh, Rabbit Moronville, and Tom Glavin. Glavin, you know, it's, it's tough when you have that many great pitchers on one team, you know. So he ultimately didn't make our list today. Let's move into our vote. Uh, Paul, why don't you start out the vote tonight?
3: Well, just so Otis knows, I can't pick my own. So because I can't pick my own – I I'm really torn between two I, I traveled to Georgia for work and I, and people still talk about Chipper Jones and how great of a player he was but I would have a hard time voting against Hank Aaron uh, I just think that that's a, a total trailblazer in baseball and he seemed like such a loving guy of the game so I I say Hank Aaron for mine
4: okay Brian well I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with uh, Eddie Matthews. we got to put him on there. I mean, um, as Otis said, I think just a touch better than Chipper Jones, uh, arguably the best uh, third baseman of all time. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Matthews.
0: I'm going to go with uh, Warren Spahn. I said earlier he's, in my opinion, the greatest pitcher to ever pitch. I mean, Maddox is my favorite pitcher to ever pitch, but I'm going with Spahn. Make that one quick. Kevin.
2: I just want to point out that Eddie may have been a little bit of a better fielder, but Chipper Jones led in three categories on the offensive side um, compared get to Eddie. Throwing that out there. Yeah. Well, let's let's not get paid. Let's just hear your bet. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Brian, Brian just didn't want to vote my other guy in. That's all. <laughs> nah, I, um, I was debating between Spawn and, and, and Maddox. Um, uh so since spawns already taken I'm uh, gonna have to go with Greg Maddox. I mean the man was dominant. He shined and, and he shined above what I would think um I th- I think he shined above Glavin and Schmoltz to, to be able to still be um have have the stats and 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 have those other two big names with you um and still be able to do what you do and not be overshadowed by them, uh, I think speaks volumes for his pitching ability. So I'm going with Maddox.
0: So, Otis, of the four who are left, who are you going to take?
1: Uh, guys, I got Mark. Uh, I like Matthews. He's off. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, Maddox. Ranked red up there. He's not going to make it. <laughs> the last two we got on this, Hank, it's fine. And uh, I'm going to go with Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron? <laughs> Excuse me for and, the call.
0: Anybody that we that we didn't pick that you like? Chipper, Del Murphy, John Smoltz.
1: Uh, it could room? easily have been um uh, hands down. I might not sleep, I wake up tonight and you know have a jerk. Spawn could be right there with me. And because of Hank passing right now and being in all, all my collections upstairs, he got my boat. Um, we, uh, being at the funeral and all what he actually did and being able to see part of what he's done in the city and everything, he got my vote on that for what he's done for the community and all, on top of that. But when I go down um, and playing with the guy right now, if I had to say I played with him, Chipper would be out there every single guy that actually ranks up there, hands down. I would take him over. Maddox, I would take him over any other guy up there because of, uh, of the, the ability where he can take over a game. Not just the one game that matters to pitch, but you got Chipper that's carrying one game, two game, three game. It's called Chipper Hot. When you can carry 15, 20 games, that's when you Chipper Hot, and that's what he was able to do. Not just winning one game and then pitching another fifth day, but night after night after night after night. There's a difference, guys.
0: Oh, there you go. There's our top five in no particular order. Hank Aaron, Eddie Matthews, Warren Spahn, Greg Max, Chipper Jones. So let's uh, get one question each going here. Paul, you can start us out tonight. Yeah, my question for Otis, it
3: hurts because I was such a huge Andy Van Slyke fan, but uh, everybody knows he robbed Andy Van Slyke of the home run in the 92 series. Okay. But my question for you is what felt better? That catch, which everybody still talks about to this day, but you also had a game where you stole six bases. So put me there. Which one felt better,
0: Otis?
1: Uh, we won the game that I made the catch. We lost the game. I stole six bases against the Expos. I you, got it. You, you got to do your homework. I'm telling you, guys are on it. Uh, that was the team that traded me over to the Braves. I was mad that whole entire game against them. So I said, when I play them, I didn't know it. And I ended up setting a, a record, a modern day record at that particular time. That night when I stole, when I made that catch, it, it, it's the stamp on me. I get pulled mm-hmm. over by cops. I'm going downtown right <laughs> now. Whatever I'm doing is, you know, that's that's the one. That's the, that's the brand and butter. It's just that I don't care well in Pittsburgh. Are you from Pittsburgh?
3: Oh yeah, from Wexford. Yeah, I was born in Wexford.
1: Man, I am so sorry. I don't want to apologize. No,
3: I used to live near uh, Sid Bream. Well, you know Sid Bream. I used to live near Sid Bream.
1: I just talked to him the other day. Yeah. Tough being a
3: pirate fan.
1: <laughs> we had some knockdowns, brother. Did we have some knockdowns? I mean, yeah, that did. was the teams we had to fight. Right mm-hmm. then, before we get to the West. So, every time it ended up with Pittsburgh Pirates. It and, still haunts
3: uh, me to this day, Otis. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Brian, go ahead. Okay, Otis, uh, you were a very successful bunter uh, over the course of your career. So, can you tell us what goes through your mind when you get the green light to bunt? And can you take? It to, can you tell us like what that
1: at bat is like? Uh, part of it, the leadoff hitter. You remember Brett Butler? Mm-hmm. Brett Butler was great. He he gave me that ability to be able to do that because when I came up in the Yankee organization, I wasn't bunting a whole lot. That took me up to be a feared layoff hitter. And if you can remember in 1992, my last at bat in the World Series, I thought she was going to bring up, was a drag bunt to end the game in the World Series. They said, Why did you end up bunting? But I've been bunting all my life. That's my bread and butter. So that's what I did. That was a skill, just like it was stealing bases to become a feared slap hitter, bunter. I could bunt anywhere on the field at any time, but you, it took a lot of practice, practice, practice. And once you got it down, that made the infield come on, and that made my little weak hits get through the infield. But it became a, a weapon as well as something that we got to do. And I still try to teach kids that that way of uh, that, that that lost art of the base stealing and the button uh, to get back at and everything. So it's uh it, it takes a little bit of uh, work you go know, with it. Did
4: you always have a green light for the bunt, or did you um, did you have to wait for the signal from the coach?
1: I've never had a manager stop me from running or bunting. Those two things there, they said, we don't know when you want to bunt because you don't know what to pitch, so they can't tell you that. only thing they were doing, I've never had a uh, – uh, and I played for 18 years and never had – one manager, they said, you know when you need to run. We don't know when. You know better than us. And after you get enough success, and I kept a book on pictures. So all that being said, all that came around, that was my gift to, to be able to uh, acknowledge that they trusted me with our, with our button and you no know, center basis.
2: Kevin. I got um because we only, we're only only doing one question each so I'm going to make mine a two-parter. <laughs> so um, I was just curious uh, – out of all the cities you played in, which was your favorite city to play in? And then when it came to stealing bases, you stole 620 career bases. And then you also had over 100, it looks like, in the minor leagues. Uh, so what goes through your mind of, like, what are you looking for uh, in the pitcher and, and and whatnot when you're about to steal? Like, how does that all transpire? What are you looking for to, to get that stolen base?
1: Um, that's a unique question. I'm going to try to keep that small and compact. Um. Uh, 1990 in 1982, I stole 117, in my ladies, my brother Donnie, I stole uh, 144. He played for the San Francisco Giants in the World Series too. So we got a, a pitch drop that we got on my foundation that we sell with to Nixon Brothers, and they they always forget about him, but he was part of that train then. But um, but going back through that, uh, that question is um, uh. I want you to repeat that again because I'm coming back around to something here and, and ask you a question in the shorter version.
2: Okay. So what are you looking for when you're going to go to steal a base? Okay. What are That's you what I'm looking, looking for? for?
1: I was thinking of Greg Maddox. When you asked me that, and I was thinking of Greg Maddox. Uh, when I came to the Braves, the first thing Bobby wanted me to do was get all his pictures on the mound. And I have a gift to look at a picture a couple of times, one or two pictures. And I pick up what they do with creatures of habits. Like you keep blinking your eyes, but then you won't blink them for like five seconds and then you blink them again. I just noticed that about you. So as a pitcher, I would wait till you blink your eyes and then I would run. Or Greg Maddox would squeeze his butt together like that. But when he was relaxed, he was throwing home. But when he was throwing the first, his butt muscles clenched. He uh, the smokes would look the third base when he was throwing the first base when he was throwing home, he just looked down. All that came in, so I went for pictures, so I kept a book of every picture in the whole entire league until they start doing it on the computer. I was the one to endorse that, they took it from my uh, dinosaur. And the guys went in and broke in my thing and stole my book, but they can't steal it for me because I had it here. So that's what I basically do. When I pick up pitch and I tell the guys, they can look at the sucker uh, in the top of the hat and, sit and and zone in on the picture. It don't take me but one or two times to watch him do what he's got to do. And some of them slide up now. That's a little different, but all the rest of the stuff that goes on and Vince Coleman will tell you the same thing. Ricky Henderson had the same thing. Within three or four pitches, we can tell you what your um, habits would be, and they don't change. Sid uh, C- uh, Fernandez up in New York, he used to come here, left-handed you I remember Sid Fernandez. Yeah, Cid Fernandez. Yeah. Yeah. He would come here, left-handed pitcher. He would come here and hold his breath and throw the first base. He would come here and, and throw home. So all these pits, I had everybody down until they actually figured out we got changed up a little bit. That's the creature of habits that we have as, uh, you know, that we do. Wow.
0: So you played for the Montreal Expos. And after you left them a few years later, they didn't even have a team. So I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts as being a former Expo, like th- how you felt about there not being a team there anymore. And then after that, just please tell us about your charity.
1: My Expo, I got a lot of friends up there. Um, uh, I got a pension coming from up there, believe it or not. But all that being said, I knew once they lost the Expos, but each time we went up there, every night, there's nobody in the, ex- in the airport. We had to get in line and go one after the other, after the other, and we got double taxed. So it was a little bit hard playing up there. <laughs> uh, besides that, they had a couple of years. They had good teams. I even played with a guy that's dead now named Pasquale Perez that came up there. And every night, Pasquale Perez pitched, they sold out. And every night, he didn't. But they had a good teams with Dawson and Reigns and those guys that were playing up there. And those are the years. And once they lost that, they started getting young players. Marquise Grissom, Larry Walker, uh, Dave Martinez, these guys came through. And then the got they started getting rid of them. As soon as they got really good, they cut not the afford them. And they would send them off, and they start dipping them off, and dipping them off. And we, every, the United States, saw what they were doing. So that's how they sort of lost their team, you know, like you just basically a farm team. And that's what happened. So unfortunately, that's what's going on there. But uh, uh, and then come back to my charity, uh, which is the Otis Nixon Foundation. Fourteen years now, it's a golf tournament that we do every year. We sell out. Chipper, John Smokes, uh, gosh, we got uh. Uh, we uh, a bunch of my players coming from other teams, basketball, football, uh, politicians, musicians, commodore. I bring in two courses and I sell them out. I've been doing that for 14 years now. We got two courses coming up this year. Got Big Shaq coming out this year. Uh, since September. And if you go to my website, www. Nixon one foundationorg It'll tell you, and if you go to God, it'll, it'll show you a video, but it'll tell you about what I'm doing. It'll tell you about my addiction that I went through. I'm now a pastor. Uh, I speak across the United States of America on addictions, epidemic, and racism. I work with law enforcement now, and it tells you about this, and I won't go over all of it, but if you go to my website, you will get to click on it and see what I've been doing for the last 14 years. I'm doing commercials with IBM, and they give back. I got... Thirty sponsors, including Coca Cola, who Tiger Woods helped me get, and they believe in what I'm doing, helping the youth and giving back. And uh man, I couldn't hit the vein in doing something off the field. Now it's more beneficial in our communities and working with law enforcement. I mean, I don't like you up, but I'm working with them to keep this stuff, this magnitude, going off. And uh it, it's a great feeling, uh, gentlemen. I got a book out. Uh, Keeping it real tells about my story. And you know what? Um, I want to say this before I get off. You guys made a donation. You didn't even blink about it. I said, Well, I'll do it. I was gonna do it either way. I was gonna come up because I like what you guys are doing. You gotta got I like you know, we like this as players, and you gotta give it to the fans. You guys and You did your homework. And I said, make a donation. Bam, I think you cashed out me within two minutes. I mean, I thing I hear something go off over there in my office. And you bought I, I don't even know if I sent out or not, but thank you guys for making that initial to help a kid get fed, his uh supplies and stuff. And we feed uh we feed a lot of people, but thank you guys for what you guys do and not just doing the show, but what you're doing behind the scenes too as well.
0: And just one more time, that website is Otis Nixon One Foundation dot org if you want to donate. So check that out, everybody. Let's get some more money to that cause. So we want to thank Otis Nixon for joining us tonight. It's, it's nice to have another Atlanta Brave on. We had Sid on before, so it's, it's good to have another guy who ruined all our childhoods, so it's fantastic.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and thank you, everyone who watched. We appreciate it. Kevin, change that. Change that sign up, David, up there, Kevin. Why, that? Yes.
2: Yeah, I got update. I'll I'll get a new one.
1: All right, okay. Now I, I
2: was trying to get one like that looked like this, but the, I can't find the same style where where it's listed hey, like that. Out, Good night, guys. Yep.
1: Good night.
0: <laughs>
1: Later. Good night. Thanks a lot.